Hello and welcome to Talking Tyranids with Chris and Mark. I'm Chris and with me as always is my co-host Mark. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How is yourself? Um, I'm good. I'm excited. So we're here. I guess this is kind of another bonus episode because we're once again sort of jumping yeah. the gun with our production schedule because somebody at Games Workshop has jumped the gun by leaking the entire Tyranids codex. <laughs> yeah, no, guys, um, I... <sighs> I think I WhatsApped you. I, I I don't know whether I'd got home from work or I'd heard it or something had popped up, but there was basically uh, a lot of YouTubers discussing in detail, I mean, these videos are at least an hour and a half to three hours long, the mm-hmm. new Tyranid Codex, which I'm not even sure is on pre-order yet. <laughs> it's, yeah, it definitely wasn't at the time. It still isn't, as we as of recording. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... That that happened um, yeah. kind of really, really suddenly. So literally, I had just read a leak, uh, and it was the Lictor's um, stat line. Have you seen that, by the way? No, and we, we briefly talked about our opinions on when leaks come out off-air. Um, I have try to keep a buffer on certain things i've mm-hmm. i have had a hint somewhere i did listen to um one youtuber state that lictors were now in a top five it's... units <laughs> <laughs> um well I'll, I'll, I'll say i'll say i'll say this it, it looks it certainly had an improved and buffed stat line um but yeah suddenly then all of a sudden the, the whole thing was out now um what I've what I've said to you before this, I've I've been a bit torn about this because obviously here I am, uh, you know, now part of the Tyranid uh, online pundit community, and probably should read the whole thing and give my whole opinion on it as we speak. And what's what's made me hold back a little bit is I'm going to go and buy the codex the day it comes out. I'm going to get it on pre-order probably and go pick it up from my local store. And I want to have a, I want to have that moment where I open the book and I flick through it, and I see what new rules are catching my eyes, and I have a little bit of excitement. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the new stat line for this, and here's the new rules for that. And so, I was kind of happy just sort of pootling along and seeing everything that was coming out in the Warhammer community page, uh, and then sort of because obviously they're pretty good at wetting the appetite without giving the whole game away. Uh, and building hype that way. So when I found out the whole thing was out there, I was, I've, I've been kind of torn. And ultimately, uh, if if our if our listeners will forgive me, have decided not to read the whole thing. I have downloaded the PDF and checked out a couple of things that I wanted to check out, which I will talk about as we move forward. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that I still haven't read. Um, and so what we've what we've sort of agreed between us is that when the actual codex comes out we will probably post like four episodes um you know breaking it down from every possible angle yeah um for the time being uh we just wanted to address some of what's out there now um and so we're kind of we're kind of each taking our own bit so mark's going to talk me through the new some of the new hive tendrils uh which is the new name for hive fleets i believe yeah, and I will always call them high fleets because yeah. I am. Um, I, I just, just I'm old school. <laughs> well, I think I think the thing is, and I mean, obviously, lore is 
uh, and people would do well to remember this actually so i guess this is an important point lore is to a certain extent liquid and malleable and changeable so if we think of our good friends the necrons they started off as like murder robots terminator mm. style and then when their fifth edition codex came out they had had an entire rework of their background and now all of a sudden they were very egyptian themed uh, and that was like a very heavy part of of who they were and how they worked um and all of a sudden you know there was pharaons and everybody had anks uh, and stuff like that um and so the the lore does change and evolve and adapt um and so, so obviously <laughs> yeah so must we as the tyranids do um but my impression was always that a tendril was a part of a hive fleet not mm. the hive fleet itself yeah when you see on this this the the galaxy maps the tendrils when each high fleet are going through it's like going snaking through but well it's i don't know maybe some part of the imperium was like let's call them tendrils sounds cooler <laughs> yeah let's do that boss uh, but yeah no um not, not to not to jump in too soon i i've been in two minds about this as well um it, it's i i i too want to share in that feeling we once had as a teenager and you open up that book you get that new book smell and you look through and it's exciting you you look at the artwork you look at the stories mm. and everything for that first time that feeling is what i want to do um with this book i was all over the eldari and the gene stealer cults but this is this 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 Different. this army means a little bit more to me and and just to put it into other other things and interests in my life i am a massive marvel fan uh mm -hmm. and, and and again dc as well um some of the stuff they do and <laughs> and i see the reviews for or spoiler reviews when it comes for like when it's like Avengers Endgame or Marvel Phase 4 or the new Batman um, and I haven't seen the new Batman and I don't really fully know the storyline I do really want to go and see it so I'm kind of avoiding a lot of reviews and a lot of reactions to these movies because I want that for the first time that being said obviously we, we're here to talk about Tyranids and it'd be really funny being like well the new book's out so I hope you're all enjoying those leaks while yeah. <laughs> we paint readily for the new edition yeah. but, but there are certain things we're going to go through absolutely so <clears throat> okay we're dipping, wanna... our toe, dipping our toe <laughs> no, you're, you're quite right and i mean i i feel the same way i actually went i i don't do this very often um but i have a child now so uh i have to do this from time to time i actually went to go see Endgame in the cinema by myself um for the only reason that my wife and i couldn't get babysitting and we didn't want to have the film spoiled for us. We both work in a school. And children love spoiling <laughs> films. Like, they, they make a big thing of it. So, specifically, literally, Saturday morning, she went and, and went to go see it. And then as soon as she came back, she was literally, like, wiping tears out of her eyes. And she was like, oh, go enjoy the film. And then I, like, jumped into the car and went <laughs> and drove off to the cinema. And then I went to go see it by myself. Uh, and then that night, we both sat down and went, oh my god isn't it the most amazing thing that's ever happened in, in film yeah. um and yeah and so much much the same i would like to be wiping the tears away and texting you and saying oh my god i can't believe what's yeah. happened have you turn seen to this page 27 
Yeah, because I, I, ex- I get excited. I start off by like methodically flicking through. I go like, okay, lore. I'll read the lore at some point. Um, and to be honest, since fifth edition, I haven't really fully read the lore in any of the codexes. But that's skip, 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 skip. And then I'll I'll start reading some of the rules, and then I'll go. Ah, screw it i want to know what the carnifex is doing and so i'll just flick ahead until i find that and then i'll go oh it's got a special rule i don't know what that is and then i'll jump back and you know it's it's a it's a whole exciting time that i'm very much looking forward to um but with that being said you know i, I can have i can have some of it spoiled um mm-hmm. so let's just dis- discuss for me if you would what you've discovered about some of the hive tendrils okay and i'll, I'll react in real time okay so there was a few a few things I was gonna chat about. Um, so uh, the high, some of the tendrils, and then um, obviously once you you know your tendril, there's things to do with the detachments and stuff like that. I wanted to go through as well. So um, before you before you choose a tendril, um, you you well you, you look at your tendrils, what you want to do, and then um, you get special rules depending on which one you want. This is something we talked about, I think, in either episode one or two that we'd mm-hmm. hoped would come along. Um, you are restricted to certain things, such as um, you immediately gain the rare organism's ability. Um, and what that means is, just similar to Tau, you can only have one Hive Tyrant per detachment. That's that interesting. In- that includes Swarmlord, Winged Hive Tyrant, and Foot Slogging Hive Tyrant. Now, so key keyword hive tyrant instead of just... uh, yes. So um, you've got in Tau the commander. So mm-hmm. if you have different um, detachments, so a patrol with two patrols. I saw a few YouTubers saying there's going to be a lot of patrols happening so that you can get two hive tyrants um, like that. And every every troops unit in the hive tendrils detachments gets obsec, obviously. So that mm-hmm. is uh, what it is because that is ninth um yeah so the rare organisms you can you gain a maximum of one hive tyrant model in that's in bold in each hive tendril um and then you get hive fleet ad- adaptations um so i'm going to go to as i scroll through we shall we start with the one that i always used go for it start with that one so i was a massive fan of um kraken yeah, um, I like a bit of Kraken. I, I like to uh, <laughs> a little bit of Kraken. I like to punch, <laughs> go up and and punch straight away. It's a, it's a shooting game, but I want to prove how it's different. So, mm-hmm. high fleet adaptations, questing tendrils. Um, each time a unit with this adaptation fights, if it made a charge move this turn, then until the fight is resolved, each time a model in this unit makes an attack improve the armor penetration characteristic of that attack by one interesting very strong on hormigons off the top of my head and i like them i don't like painting them <laughs> <laughs> i like them and they have been buffed and i, I want to talk about that as well um sure. so adaptive each time a unit with this adaptation advances it is not affected by the opportunistic advanced stratagem see opposite okay cool I'll go into that opposite. Um, or the bounding advance stratagem. Uh, do not make any advance rolls. Instead, until the end of the phase, add D3 plus 3 inches to the move characteristic of the models in this unit. Um, so what it looks like is it's adapt- It's changed to what it used to be. And essentially, you're getting D3 plus 3 um, to your movement 
instead of I think it was. was it, it used to be roll roll three d six take the highest, highest was the old, which the amount of times that I would throw throw it for gene stealers and get like a one a one and a two. Yeah, so the um, opportuni <laughs> opportunistic advance is a CP, one CP, and this use this stratagem in your movement phase when a kraken unit in your from your army is selected to move, and until the end of that term, bullet point one, each time that unit advances, do not make an advance roll. Instead, until the end of the phase, add eight inches to the movement oh. characteristic of the models in that unit. That's Note huge. that a unit cannot be affected by this stratagem and the thing I just spoke about okay, um, good. in the same phase and then models in that unit do not suffer the penalty to hit rolls incurring from firing assault weapons in the same turn that this unit advances so the that's mad that's can, so good <laughs> yeah with everything that I've seen movement wise getting a bit better um, and weapons obviously getting stronger you're just add 8 inches to anything you do basically for 1 CP yeah, well, if you think, if you think off the top, I mean, the 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 headline that could not be missed has been termagants and their um, flesh borers being strength five, AP minus one, and eighteen inch range now. Mm -hmm. So you throw in, you throw in with that like an extra eight inch move. So you're effectively giving it um, mm -hmm. off the top of my head, eighteen plus eight, twenty four. Yeah, no, more than that, twenty six. So a 26-inch range, effectively, plus, yeah. plus your movement, so you know, 30, 32 inches from where you start. <laughs> yeah. So very few things cannot, in turn one, be completely engulfed by Termagant Fire, if you play your cards right. Yeah. So the adaptive thing from Kraken is obviously you advance D3 plus 3, mm -hmm. and that is on, it looks like, everything. But there's a thing that happens that is looking called hyper-adaptation where you can swap the High Fleet's adaptive rule. So if you don't like that, but you like the other stuff in the Kraken section, you can swap it for the Feed Biomorphosis or Hunt Biomorph... Sorry, Biomorphologies, which mm -hmm. is on page 61. I haven't looked at page 61 because I didn't want to go too deep the down the yeah. rabbit hole. Um, so yeah, it looks like you can be like, do you know what? I really like the Kraken artifact or the strats, but I'm going to change it a little bit. And make my own kind of Kraken-esque high fleet or Leviathan-esque. So high it fleet. seems like, um, off the top of my head, then it seems like a slightly more elegant approach than what we're doing at the start of ninth, which is and the end of eighth as well. That kind of create your own high fleet or create your own mm -hmm. craft world or whatever. That idea of we're going to give you a couple of special rules and you can bash together one that you like, um, which was great, but it had. Certainly, with the Tyranid ones that they made for Blood of Baal, there was some really cool stuff in there, but they could never quite get you seeing past. Yeah. Yeah, you know, especially when uh, Octarius came out. It's like, mm. but I really need to run Leviathan to get all these special <laughs> rules. Um, and then they gave you all those psycho powers that were only available if you were taking like a proper high fleet. Yeah. So um, it, it sounds like a slightly more elegant way of doing that and saying, well, you can just you can adapt and yeah. evolve and play Kraken <laughs> in a way that suits your style if you're a slightly different kind of player. No, absolutely. And if I before I go on to the Warlord trait, a psychic power and the um, the bio artifact, I'm mm -hmm. just going to touch upon, with my Kraken I used to go heavy on the Hormagaunts. 
Yeah. And I'm just going to touch upon it now. So the old Hormagaunt was movement 8, weapon skill and ballistic skill 4, strength, toughness 3, 1 wound, 2 attacks, leadership 5, 6 up save. It's now gone up to movement 10, which is 2 inches further. Mm-hmm. Weapon skill, ballistic skill are and strength and toughness and wounds are the same. But it's now 3 attacks. So it's gone up by 1 attack. It's also armor save 5+. plus. See, I never, I never thought I'd see the day where Hormagons would just be like a flat five. <laughs> now, is this because a lot of the game has minus one now? To, to, so it just basically balances out what it used to be. I'm not sure, but I'm with you. Hormagons, I'm, ha- I don't mind them being a six up because they're cheap and they run up the field and just, you kind of, your opponent has to think about what to do. But also, they're now three attacks. Now, you so... see, this this makes me very happy because something something we'll probably talk about at a later date, most likely when the new codex is actually out out, um, is one of my feelings about the eighth edition codex was um, it's what I would call a translation. They took the previous codex and they like eighth it up. They were like, okay, um, instead of four wounds, it's now got twelve, so triple the amount of wounds done 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 and what's an equivalent of this i suppose this would be an equivalent and that's what makes sense and that's what makes sense so stuff didn't hugely change they just tried to find ways to make it make sense in the new game that they created which i guess uh, makes sense in some ways but what quickly became apparent is as eighth became its own beast and then we got into ninth you know elements of our codex were already hugely outdated and yeah i think one one thing that i always felt was just plain wrong was in the old days you used to get an extra attack for charging so hormagons on the charge had three attacks and could again engulf your opponent with just sheer weight of dice that you were throwing you know you could take out terminators you could take out really heavily armored things you could even glance certain vehicles to death with the volume of attacks you had if you had a full unit of of hormagons mm. um and then when they switched you know when they said they kept them as two attacks basic but that rule was now no longer an eighth i was like oh so they're just objectively weaker in that respect <laughs> <laughs> and and you know i always felt like the three attack hormagon especially if you buffed it with adrenal glands and toxin sacs was like the equivalent of the devourer termagant with its three shots strength four which are something else that i think we'll have to address later in this podcast because that's not the case anymore <laughs> either but um yeah no it's, it's it's interesting it's interesting i do i do think it's by and large to make up for the lack of or for the pro uh for the profusion of ap minus one weaponry that's out there now um it's just a sort of answer to the escalation that the game's mm. been seeing but still you know there are therefore situations where a third of my hormagons are going to survive a round of shooting where before they would not have done so i'm no, absolutely i'm very excited about that so tell tell me more about kraken what else so wall of trait um very simple but very effective i was literally looking at an eldari uh wall or trait very similar to this but this this kraken one is better each time your opponent well this is the thing it's your opponent each time your opponent uses a stratagem if this warlord is on the battlefield roll 1d6 and on a 5 plus you gain a command point the Eldari one I believe is on a 6 plus if you or your opponent 
uses um, a stratagem. But yeah, so you have this on, very simple. Your opponent uses stratagems and um, there are quite a lot of stratagems to be used now in all the um, the new books, especially. Um, so just roll a five up every time. Get, get a command point, nice and simple. Whack, whack that on your opportunistic advance one CP. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> so, so, so very simple. And then they've got a psychic power synaptic lure. Um, it's a malediction. Um, it has a warp charge value of five. And if manifested, select one enemy unit within synaptic link range of this psyker, or one enemy unit within eighteen inches of this psyker. Until the start of your next psychic phase, each time a friendly Kraken unit declares a charge, if that enemy unit is one of the targets of that charge, you can re-roll the charge roll. Okay, that's interesting. So, I mean, it's basically, basically what it was before, but um, yeah. sort of up updated the wording to be more in keeping with ninth. Mm -hmm. but, um, so you can have multiple units re-rolling charges on a warp charge value of a five psychic. Um, so you are already, in a way, almost as good as Sam Hine from Eldari. Really. I like that. So yeah, so they are getting into combat. Um, and then the bio artifact relic is the chameleonic mutation. Um, each time an attack is made against the bearer, mm -hmm. subtract one from the attack's hit roll. So you've already nullified Tau's marker lights, mm -hmm. um, and the hit roll cannot re-rolled so this is a lot of things we're seeing that people are not liking about the harlequins right now uh, where you're affecting your opponent's rolls this has just done that so you're shooting at whatever i can give this artifact relic to you're not re-rolling the hits and you're minus one to hit anyway yeah that's good again very similar to what it was before but with that extra little like, yeah. taking away of the re-roll i like that a lot that is very yeah. cool um, yeah. cool Absolutely. I like it I like that a lot um, it's interesting I think when I started out in 8th I was very heavy in on Kraken uh, and then I started bringing Kronos into the mix um, and then every now and again I would get a bit ballsy and just go all out on Behemoth uh, and then yeah I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of Leviathan in the early days but then in the, the especially as soon as the Octarius uh, supplement came out. Obviously, Leviathan were ridiculous and pretty much a, a must include. So, um, yeah, no, I, I like that. But it's 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 good. I feel like they've done a lot to rebuild the codex from the ground up. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, there's some stuff there that was in before, uh, but it it does feel like everything's been rethought and rebalanced a little bit, which is is what I quite like about this. Um, so, uh, shall we? Shall we have a little uh, little look at the couple of things I want to discuss? Yep, you go next. That's fine. I've got Super. to talk about my faves. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, li little thing I want to discuss. So, um, I I'm a very positive person. I'm not a fan of negativity in general. Um, and the Tyranid community at large has. Had a bit of an issue with negativity uh, the last few years, and it's been really refreshing. I got to say, being out there in in forums with people just being like, "Oh my god, I'm so excited!" It's like Christmas came early. It's everything I wanted in a codex and more, and blah blah blah. 
Um, there are, of course, as always, a few dissenting voices out there. Uh, and a few people that are finding the very, very few nerfs that are in this book and focusing on them. With that in mind, uh, I want to take a look at a couple of the things that are, are being talked about as, as nerfs or changes that people don't like. Um, and discuss how maybe it's not quite as bad as it seems, or at the very least, we just need to kind of rethink the way things are. Um, so I think the, the the easy and obvious one, and one one where I have to I have to agree um, in principle is is looking at termagants. So termagants, on the whole, massive buff, no doubt about it. Um, their native weapon that they come with is so so much stronger, so so much better. I couldn't be happier. That being said. Um, if you're like me, then Devourer Gaunts used to be your jam. And I personally used to love dropping a Termagant Bomb with 30 Gaunts getting out of a, a Trigon Tunnel and soaking my enemy with 90 shots. Um, and so those days those days are gone. Uh, those days are gone because Devourers have gone from 3 shots to 2 and from Strength 4 to Strength 3. Now, it's... It's the strength three part that that kind of that kind of stings a little. Um, it's, not, it's not a nice taste in the mouth, is it? It's not a nice taste in the mouth. <laughs> that, here's the thing, okay, and this this is why. As I say, the codex has been rebuilt from the ground up, so there are things that were not present previously that are now present. So it is much easier with the synaptic imperatives, with the sort of uh, commander traits that Swarm Lord and uh, Tyrant and Brood Lords and uh, tyranid primes have it's a lot easier to stack buffs on termagants than it used to be um to the point where i imagine in the course of playtesting someone was like there's no way like we can't have people doing all this with a strength four three shot assault weapon they'll they'll burn us alive um so i understand why it's been changed but it, it does have the result that a lot of people are looking at it and saying you know probably not the way to go at least for the time being it's it's not the way to go because it's not it's not going to be hugely effective there's no way it's not going to be markedly less effective for you than it used to be um and flesh borers is definitely uh, is definitely the, the approach to take so it's uh, you know i can't argue against that it has been nerfed and it has been nerfed to the point where i think it's only really useful i think some people said in a gorgon detachment there's I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a strat I don't know if it's the inbuilt gorgon thing uh, but basically that makes them inherently stronger um, and and more usable but that's more of a niche thing um, so I I'm yet to find out what what exactly that means but as I say there's a good reason for it we can stack innumerable buffs now that we couldn't stack before. And I think that is why, and I think we just need to roll with the punches on that one and say, it's not forever. There will be points changes, there will be rebalances, there will ultimately in the future be new additions. You know, things are things are ever changing. So don't go sell all your termagants with devourers online or anything crazy like that. You know, just just wait and see, wait and see how things shake out. Um, but the other one, uh, and this one's very close to my heart, is the Hive Guard. Now, Again, if you look on any forum or any video, you'll find people saying hive guards, especially with impaler cannons, have been nerfed. They've been nerfed mm, into oblivion. I've seen a bit of that. Okay. And things have changed. 
and elements have been nerfed but it is not you are not getting the complete picture there and people are so ready to jump on that bandwagon you know i've already seen people saying oh i'm cutting the arms off of my hive guard i'm converting them into tyrant guards you know woe is me you know hive guard are dead long live tyrant guard now yes it's good that tyrant guard have got a buff Mm. but if we look at the stat lines briefly um it's it's not the whole story so first of all hive guard are now plus one strength plus one toughness plus one wound from -hmm. where they used to be um only leadership five now but aside from that i mean who cares and plus one movement as well so to look at that off the bat you would have to say oh well those are all buffs no denying that like everything there has improved except for the leadership and again who cares um and then if we look at the impaler cannon specifically it's gone from heavy two to heavy three and it's flat damage two which is pretty much always better than d3 damage yeah obviously there's the chance that you roll a three which is better but there's also the chance that you roll a one and it averages out to be a two. So better flat two. Um, so where where is the nerf coming from, you might be asking. Uh, and it's, it's in two parts. Uh, the first part is the range of the Impaler Cannon has dropped from 36 to 24. Um, and the second is that it's dropped from strength eight to strength six. So at first, I can understand why everyone's kind of reacting like, <gasps> Jesus Christ. um and uh, the other aspect is they're now if you're running them with impaler cannons it's 60 points instead of 50 points which is obviously a jump of 10 uh which to some people is a bridge too far so you know first of all the the aim of this is to get rid of the crutch hive guard wary crutch there was not a single top tier list i'm willing to bet (laughs) that has not had hive guard in it Okay, Crusher no. Stampedes, they had Hive Guard. Leviathan Swarms, they had Hive Guard. The old Kraken Steeler lists had Hive Guard. They were very, very good and very, very useful, and as such, just became a massive crutch. I've, I've even heard people say, you know, God, I'd give anything for us to have, you know, not to have to rely on a Hive Guard. Well, now we don't. We have lots of other options, and so as such, these are now no longer the auto include. And that's, that's what people are getting upset about. But I've run some Math Hammer, okay? And just to say, rest assured, this new version of the Impaler Cannon, granted it's got reduced range, okay? But now that we're so much tougher, that we have the extra wound and we have the extra movement, you just need to rethink it. I'm not necessarily going to hide my Hive Guard in a building and take pot shots at things. Maybe I'm going to move them up and take pot shots at things, okay? There's still... There's still a viability there. And in terms of in terms of math hammering it, I've done a couple of scenarios. Um, and people can check my numbers if they want, but they'll find I'm right. So, <laughs> you know, so because... That's math. <laughs> yeah. Because what people aren't taking into account is you take away two strength, but you add an extra shot. You'd be surprised how quickly that balances things out. So if we, if we take a look at the following scenarios, number one scenario, right? Six hive guard shooting at some primaris marines we all love to kill primaris marines okay don't lie and say you don't okay so under the old uh setup with the strength uh the strength a ap minus two damage d3 hive guards on average 
you would kill about four and a half Primaris Marines. Um, obviously, that's dependent on your damage roll, but again, the damage roll averages out to about a two. Under the new rules, with only strength six, but three shots each, you've now got 5.3 dead Primaris Marines. Okay, because it's actually beneficial because you're getting more shots through and they've got a high weapon skill, uh, a ballistic skill rather. Um, so it works out. Now, I hear what you're thinking, Mark. What about against tougher enemies where that strength eight really matters? Yeah. So yeah. Let's take, <laughs> let's take a look. What is everybody's favorite, you know, target as a tough enemy? It's the knight, okay? So we're looking at something that's toughness eight and with a four up involved this time. Okay, because it doesn't get much tougher than that. So, under the old profile, with the strength eight, AP minus two, you get on average four wounds off of a knight. So let's face it, they weren't exactly taking knights out to begin with. Under the new profile, you're taking four wounds off of a knight. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't mean to sound stupid, but what is the difference between those two? There is no difference. What? <laughs> Not in reality. Now, obviously, you have to be closer, but it's not like knights are hiding from you, so they're not too hard to get to get hold of, to be honest. Um, and actually, if we just look at that one in particular, if you run shock cannons, uh, which no one, <laughs> no one in the history of Tyranids has ever done before, um, but they've now had a they've now had a boost, so they're uh, thirty six inches, strength seven, AP minus two, I think, still. Uh, but with their special haywire kind of rule, they actually average six wounds on a knight. Um, so shock cannons are, at least in some circumstances, better than the old impaler cannon was. You just need to have line of sight where you, you, you wouldn't have with the impaler, or you don't with the impaler. And the other thing is, yes, we've lost you've lost some range, so you either have to push up to be able to get to enemies now, but you're still going to be doing, on average, pretty similar damage, okay? Or, if you look at the lore of Hiveguard, Hiveguard are, if memory serves, they're designed to guard the capillary towers uh, and to make sure the biomass is getting back up to the ships. So they're meant to be, like, guardian units that hang back. Um, so I think perhaps that reduction in range is to try and say to people, they're not meant to be snipers, they're not meant to be sitting in buildings and like one-shotting tanks and everything else, they're actually meant to be hanging back. And if anything gets close, they wipe them out with mid-range shooting. So that is the new approach to Hiveguard. And I imagine, like, don't get me wrong, the 60 points is a bit for that. Um, and so I imagine people will start to shy away from them. But if too many people do, the points will be reduced and they'll be back in our hearts. And I just think it's just the important thing is don't see strength eight down to strength six as the sky falling because it does not make that big a difference given the additional amount of shots you get. The range yeah. is the bigger issue. Yeah. But it's not insurmountable. It's no, 24 let, inches let, is no man's land. So so what I'm seeing in a lot of, uh, well, the new, new system of the game and, and new codex is coming out. I think Games Workshop is shying away from right, I'm going to just sit my army in my backfield mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I'm seeing in boring. a lot... Yeah, no, absolutely. In a lot of games I'm watching is trying to get table quarters, 
trying to get line breaker um, and trying to take objectives in the midfield. I saw a big um, strategic YouTube video the other day. Um, I may even write these down one day, and and so that our <laughs> listeners can can also watch these videos that I, that I watch. But the big tactics thing was it, it, when you boss the midfield, you are more likely to win the game. Mm-hmm. So your opponent, if knows that, will come forward to you, and then that will obviously trigger within your range, and so that reduction in distance actually doesn't become as much of an issue. As the knee-jerk reaction is, so that's definitely. It, and mm. you know, if you're thinking, "Oh, but we've lost that anti-tank, that long-range anti-tank," it's out there. It's the Exocrine, it's the Tyrannifex, and once again, our monsters have just all been buffed. So, you know, if you think back again, I know I go on about fifth edition a lot, but that's because it's when I started and I played like twice a week back then. So it's 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 still you know still uh, very important in my mind so again back then hive guard were not an auto include for a lot of people they were passable vehicle killers but they were they weren't taking out land raiders they weren't taking out monoliths they were taking out land speeders or uh you know maybe a wave serpent they were actually pretty good against eldar mech um but back then, Zoanthropes were our primary anti-tank, and our secondary was, again, probably the Tyrannifex, although it was a bit swingy. Um, you know, so so Hiveguard back then were good at, again, elite infantry and mid-range vehicles was their kind of jam. Um, and that's that's what you took them for. And, I, you know, I think, again, that's just what we're going to start to see creeping in is, well, that's that's the way it's balanced. That's what we're looking at. Because, again, back then... If anyone was stupid enough to let you get your monsters close to their vehicles, those were gone. Like they could, a Carnifex could rip open a vehicle like a tin can. Like they, they, they could make short work of any anything. Um, and again, we're kind of in that state now where if you're, you know, if you're gonna put that vehicle there, then, <laughs> then my Hive Tyrant will get to it and it will destroy it. So it's up to you. Um, and so I think we're all right. And and it's not like vehicles are a big part of the meta at the moment anyway. Um, that might change when guard get their codex. You know, we might all once again fear the Bane Blade or, you know, the Lehman Russ. But for the time being, you know, I I'm not worried about the Hive Guard, and I'll still be taking them from time to time. I might try out shot cannons for a change. Um, but you know, I'm not I'm not worried. That's what I'm saying. Good, good. So next, <laughs> shall we go over some another tendril? Yeah, give me give me another one. I'll give you the choice. Would you like Behemoth? Would you like Yorgamundududu with a R at the end? Um, would you like Gorgon or would you like your favourite Leviathan? Um, you know what? I'm going to save Leviathan. So Good. give me Behemoth. I'm quite interested to hear Good, what they've got. Because that's the one I wanted to do. <laughs> so, Behemoth. I like at the beginning they have this, this, this a few sentences just explaining what behemoth is um, but the high fleet adaption is hyper aggression each time a unit with this adaptation fights if it made a charge move was charged or performed a heroic intervention this turn then until the fight is resolved add one to the strength characteristic of models in that unit 
No. That's good. That's very similar to the Space Marine one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Or they get plus one attack, plus one strength, I think. And if you add that with the adaptive rule, you can re-roll charge rolls made for units from your army with this adaptation. That's good. I mean, so straight away, if if that stacks with adrenal glands, then I think I'm right in thinking that hormigons are strength five when they charge. Um, I I I I don't I don't want to tempt fate, but I think you might be right. Um, That's madness. <laughs> That's so good. This is. Behemoth. Um, the Warlord trait is Monstrous Hunger. And each time this Warlord makes a melee attack, an unmodified wound roll of a 6 inflicts one mortal wound on the target in addition to any normal damage. So, well, you got, have a big monster with quite a lot of attacks. Um, wound roll of 6. Oh, there's a, mortal, there's a mortal wound on top of that. Not bad. Um, the Psychic Power Unstoppable Onslaught is a blessing. Uh, it's a warp charge value of 7, and if manifested, select one friendly behemoth unit within synaptic r uh, link range of the Psyker. Until the start of your next turn, each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack, add 1 to the attack's wound roll. Oh, that's so good. So that's, I, again, that's what it was before. I did not think that would survive. So it's a psychic power. So, so good. it feels bad for Drakari, feel bad for... Um, Tau and Necrons who can't really stop psychic powers. Don't have much. So, so let me let me just. <laughs> so again, Hormigons. I mean, Hormigons getting talked up a lot, and I think I can start to see why now. So I'm imagining a scenario where I've got some Behemoth Hormigons. I've put Adrenal Glands on them, and they have charged. Let's say, let's say some again Primaris Marines. I love killing those. Okay. They're charging in at strength five with three attacks each. And now I'm going to make them plus one to wound. So they're wounding on twos. I mean, that's that's a dream, isn't it? That is a dream. Plus, I could throw in some rerolls to hit, some plus ones to hit from uh, other various buffs around the, around the table. So 30 Hormigons could do some serious serious damage yeah God. absolutely and um, the bio artifact relic um, you add one to the damage characteristic of melee weapons the bearer is equipped with okay so that, yeah that could be very good on so maybe Trigon got, Prime if you've got maybe two damage becomes three damage so yeah it, it stacks up with the math hammer um, and then the the next one is the stratagem unparalleled ferocity one or two command points use this stratagem in the fight phase when a behemoth infantry unit including character units from your army that has not fought this phase is selected as the target of a melee attack until the attacking model's unit has finished making its attacks each time a model in that behemoth unit is destroyed instead of using any rules that are triggered when that model is destroyed do not remove the destroyed model from play it can after the attacking model's unit has finished making its attacks attack as if this unit had been selected to fight after resolving these attacks the destroyed model is then removed if the behemoth infantry unit has the endless multitude keyword oh, 
this stratagem costs 1 CP, otherwise it costs 2 CP. And I think we saw Endless Multitude on the Gargoyles. We saw it on the Gargoyles. I'm, pr I'm pretty sure it's on all the troops. So that unit of Hormagaunts that you just did all that math hammer on. Yeah. Um, so if, again, add one to the strength characteristic. Well, if that's if you've char been charged as well. So you have a unit coming into your 30 Hormagaunts. Their base strength four now, with three attacks, and any of them you kill, spend one command point. You don't destroy them. You you use them to fight back. So you can't you can't wipe you can't wipe them and get rid of their sort of uh, their 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 mm. strength. So does that make them better than Necrons coming back? <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's just, no, I, mean, let's... I think I'll, we'll probably talk about this at some point in a later podcast. I think the um, I think the reanimation protocols for Necrons for infantry is very, 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 very good. Um, but yeah, basically being able to say you can basically wipe this unit and it's still gonna mulch you, so you need to think like, you know, this is how it should be. You know, Tyranids are. Uh, strong shooting sure but they should always be so deadly in melee and your opponent should never want to tangle with you they should want to basically shoot the crap out of you and stay as far back from you as they can um and and basically just try and wipe you out that way and only only when they think you're about you know ready for finishing off should they come in because you know back again back in the old days we had initiative values that meant it didn't matter if you charged you still went second if they had a higher initiative value and again hormagons used to have a massively high one gene stealers used to have a high one raveners used to have a high one um very it's very exciting um yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm loving i'm loving that i'm loving what i'm hearing there now let's let's mix up a few different stratagems as well just just to go in with this combat themed now this is just a it looks like a generic stratagems from the book not not just for the tendrils. Mm -hmm. um, Shard Law. Use this stratagem in your shooting phase. When a ranged attack made by a model in High Fleet Synapse unit from your army scores a hit against an enemy unit, until the end of that turn, each time a friendly brackets High Fleet unit declares a charge, if that enemy unit is one of the targets of that charge, roll one additional d6 and discard one of the dice when making the charge roll. So I'm going to shoot you and now I get to roll an additional d6 and discard one of the dice I've rolled when trying to charge you. I like that. So I think, again, that is, in part, that's similar. So in Blood of Baal, there were, I think, three or four different things that would let you um, roll 3d6. Or a roll... No, in fact, they were very specific. Roll an additional d6 for charge. And throw away the lowest um and you you know so again i don't i don't know mm. how many of them are going to make it into the new decks but i think <clears throat> they were crazy because you could under certain circumstances stack like two or three of them mm -hmm. and end up rolling like five dice <laughs> yeah. and then you were all but guaranteed to make 
even the most difficult charges. Yeah, and just to touch on one more stratagem that I like to look of. Again, not to spoil too many. Um, the one is called Overrun. Mm -hmm. This stratagem is one CP as well. So use this stratagem at the end of your fight phase. Select one Hive Tendril unit from your army that made a charge move this turn. If there are no enemy models with an engagement range of that unit, models in the unit can make a normal move instead of consolidating. Okay, so that's good. So again, you, I think... You wipe someone out. Let's yeah. use Hormagons again. Let's, you wipe someone out. <laughs> you play this command point. One strat. One command point stratagem. You are now moving 10 inches. Yeah, I think... I'm trying to think. I think that might have been in the... There, there was... If not that, a similar one in the actual original codex, the eighth edition codex. Well, it's still there. You've heard I it here remember, first. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a way. Um, so this this is interesting and and you know quite quite exciting in its own way because there was a way. Um, back then, if you were especially if you were running the slingshotting kraken stealers, there was a bit of a sneaky a sneaky way of doing things where you, let's say you. You get to a unit, you wipe it out with the Steelers' superior um, power, and then you played that, which then let you move again. And it specifically states like you can't then recharge, you can't then do anything else. But if you then use the fight again stratagem, which was I, I don't I don't think that's still in the in the new book, but I, I don't know for sure. Um, certainly, it was three CP though. But if you did use that you could then activate them to fight and then give them a pile-in move, which would allow them to pile into something that was up to three inches away. So you could basically use it to, like, kill a unit and then, like, tag a shooting unit or something so yeah. that they would have to fall back the following turn to be able to do anything. Um, yeah. Which so... I, did, I did a couple of times. Um, <laughs> use that, <laughs> use that combo. <sighs> Absolutely. So I am excited for a couple of other um, High Fleet Tendrils. However, if you want to keep Leviathan hidden from yourself, <laughs> all I can say to you is, wow. Okay. It, yeah. <laughs> no, it's... I think, I think something that um, people are looking for clarity on is... So obviously they released the Leviathan supplement uh -huh. what, maybe two months ago. They released the Crusher Stampede Army of Renown a similar time, like maybe two weeks after or something. Um, and obviously people are kind of asking the question, are those still valid or were they only valid with the 8th edition codex? Um, it would be... It would be glorious if they are still valid, both of them, because they've got some excellent rules in them. Um if they've just translated what they wanted to keep from them into the new codex, then that's fair enough and you got to live with it. Um, it would be a bit, it'd be a bit of a kick in the teeth if you went and spent 30 quid on that book and it's now invalid, but that, I mean, that's the, that's what you're playing with. If you're playing with GW, you know, that's a risk. Um, and I certainly knew going into it, if I bought that book, I might only get to use the rules once before they got overwritten. Um, yeah. So um, Leviathan do look I think they're the top one. Yeah. I'm that's all I'm gonna say because you really want to keep that bad boy to yourself because that is your <laughs> that is your baby. That is fine. So I'm happy to talk about Gorgon. 
Jorgenmunden, and then maybe I'll learn how to pronounce that one. Um, if, if it helps, it's Jormungander, I believe. Jormungander. Let's do with Jormungander, because I've just said it correctly. Okay, go on. Um, high Fleet Adaptation Tunnel Networks. Okay. Each time a ranged attack targets a monster unit with this adaptation, if the attacker is more than 18 inches away, then the target is treated as having the benefits of dense cover. Alright, that's not bad. And then each time a ranged attack targets a unit excluding monster units with this adaptation, if the attacker is more than 12 inches away, the target is treated as having the benefits of dense cover. So you got a bit of survivability there with Gorgon straight away. Uh, sorry, your your man. Um, so that's better. I think I think their old thing was that you couldn't have. I think you, I think you got a, you got like a minus one to hit, but you couldn't advance or something like mm. that under their old rules. Adaptive. Um, each time a unit with this adaptation is targeted by a weapon with the blast rule, halve the number of models in that unit rounding up. When determining how many attacks are made with that weapon, that's very cool. That's very, sure. very yeah. Cool. That's the big thing at the moment. There's a lot of blast out there, and obviously, hormigaunts yeah. <laughs> um, and and stuff like that. So another bit of survivability. I got. I got to say. I mean, I think that's interesting. I think it's cool. Um, I've personally, I've never had too many issues with blast. The reason being, certainly when it first came out, a lot of the blast weapons um, were usually big guns with variable amounts of shots that generally you would be insane to waste on a Hormagon <laughs> or a Termagant or even a Gene Stealer. They're usually like, you know, strength 10, AP minus 4, damage D6. So I was, you know, I haven't often sat there and gone, damn, blast weapons everywhere. I'm sure there are now certainly more than then, <clears throat> or more than the last time I've I, I've experienced them. I'm sure there are lots out there that are maybe designed specifically to be like you know low strength, decent AP, taking out you know more for taking out horde units. Um, certainly flamers, flamers have that. But uh, okay, that's good though. That 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 is good. It does. Um, reduce their efficacy somewhat <laughs> i will go on to the warlord trait um in your command phase select one friendly uh unit within synaptic link, link range of the warlord until the start of your next command phase each time a model in that unit makes an attack their target does not receive the benefit of cover against that attack so Sorry. a little bit of a buff to some shots so interesting um, psychic power lurking mauls is a warp charge value of 7 and if manifested select one enemy unit within synaptic link range of the psyker or one enemy unit within 18 inches of this psyker until the start of your next psychic phase each time a friendly model makes a melee attack against the enemy unit improve the armor penetration characteristic of that attack by 1 so okay. solid so solid stuff all round. It's nothing so far, nothing earth shattering. Mm. Um but, but no. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it, it's it's nice. It's nice. Like we said, there are people out there like you Leviathan is your is your baby. Um I really enjoyed a bit of Kraken, but I will 
go through some of these high fleets and there are people out there that would have preferred or liked lore wise or just gameplay style um, the different high fleets and I think every, every single one of them is definitely having a buff um, and going to enjoy being part of that high fleet it's not just everyone's going to be Kraken or everyone's going to be Leviathan unless you're in the tournament, tournament scene and then it'll be Leviathan but I'll let you find that out yourself. Um, at the end of your movement phase... Uh, sorry, the bio-artifact is called Infrasonic Roar. At the end of your movement phase, select one enemy unit within 12 inches of the bearer. Roll 3d6. If the result is equal to or higher than the enemy unit's leadership characteristic, until the start of your movement phase, the unit cannot perform actions. Okay, yeah, I like that. I like that. So it's literally going raw, and you're like, no, my ears, stop, please. So you are stopping your opponent. Now, on the surface, it's like, yeah, okay. But you're now stopping your opponent getting some key points. Yeah, no, I think that's... I think, I think I'm... I've been expecting to see more of that kind of stuff, so I'm very happy to see it in this, this codex. You know, I thought when they brought actions in to ninth, I thought it was a really cool idea. And I was kind of looking to see, okay, well, this is how it is in the core rulebook. How are they going to expand on this? How are army books going to deal with this? Because I, one thing that I haven't seen yet that I've been kind of expecting to see is almost units, new units created for armies that were basically like engineers, you know, who are, who are designed, who can maybe say, this one unit can actually do two actions in one phase uh, or can do actions and still shoot and still whatever else like they're custom made action monkeys um i thought that would be really cool i haven't seen anything like that um but, but what is good is seeing you know special rules now take up actions mm. um i've seen a few of those and yeah you know seeing more stuff about denying your opponent from being able to do actions um, yeah and I could probably I could probably see this on a winged hive tyrant or something fast coming up and just going no, and then <laughs> well, they... there, yeah I I was in a I was in a tournament well, not a tournament tournament a friendly tournament with some with some uh, friends of mine I was I was actually playing necrons and I had done pretty well there was a there was a very obvious um the very obvious tears in our tournament <laughs> there's three of us that were winning every game and getting 80 to 90 points in every game i was one of them and then there was three who were you know doing okay but they, they lost pretty much most games and when they won it wasn't by a huge margin and when i got to our final uh, i was against somebody who was playing chaos knights with chaos demons and i i almost got a laugh i was like really <laughs> In this meta, you're playing knights and demons. This should be easy. Uh, and he, he won. He won. He wiped the floor with me, actually. Um, and I, you know, I, I learned I learned a lot of lessons that day. But one thing that kept frustrating me is he was just sat in the middle performing this psychic action um, and taking in a bunch of secondary points for doing so. And every time he would do it, I'd be like, damn it, I can't... <laughs> I knew that if I did something, I'd be... If I if I destroyed him before he completed the action, he wouldn't get the points, and I knew I had my turn to do that. But he was always set up in such a way that that was virtually impossible for me. And I remember afterwards looking into what rules do I have that can just stop an action from happening, <laughs> or they can just cut one you know cut one dead. And and they're not those aren't common at all. Um, and the only 
the only thing that can do that in the Necron Codex is the Psychomancer, and uh, they're cool models, but they're quite hit or miss, and they don't really work the way that you'd want them to. Um, so seeing something like that, the hypersonic roar sounds sounds very cool. That's actually very interesting to me. No, absolutely. And then if we go into the one CP um, strat, use this stratagem before the battle, during the uh, before the battle, during the declare reserves and transport step. If you are playing a mission without this step, use this stratagem during deployment instead. And oh select one unit from your army excluding titanic units you can set up that unit near to the surface instead of setting it up on the battlefield and if you do so then in the reinforcement step of one of your movement phases you can set up that unit anywhere on the battlefield that is more than nine inches away from enemy models you can only use this stratagem once unless you are playing strike force in which you can use this twice or onslaught in which you can use this three times so you can so you basically give something deep strike that doesn't you give something have it. so rounding off you've got defensive buffs from 18 inches away for your monsters and over and over 12 inches away for your griblies a slight buff on blast weapons coming at you you've got um units that can't will not benefit from cover from your shooty warlord if that's what you're going for um, you can improve the armor penetration characteristic of attacks by one from their malediction they you can stop actions uh, with the raw and now you can put a unit in reserve um, they do a lot of everything not that's one quite, thing yeah, amazing they... but a lot of everything just <coughs> a little bit yeah that I, I think I think that certainly makes them a lot more well-rounded than they were and I think that's so. If you recall, in the original eighth rulebook, the Jormungandr strat was this very convoluted thing about basically if you had Raveners or a Trigon or a Moloch coming in, you could pay a CP for them to bring something along with them, which Trigons could already kind of do anyway. So, um, I always felt that was kind of okay but not amazing um but yeah just the idea of popping out some termagants without having to drop them in a uh, spore mm-hmm. or, or some warriors uh, you know anything like that is it r- remind me that strat you just read is it anything so could it be a monster as well uh it, it excludes titanic units so okay so maybe like a tyrannifex just pop that out with a yeah with a flesh bore or a hive and just go to town um, and then if you have that winged hive tyrant coming up the board and roaring at a unit yeah. stopping them doing actions but then you quickly do that psychic power where you improve the armor penetration of the attack by plus one you've now just improved your tyrant effects with immense that's the thing my, my, my head is spinning with the amount of new combos that you could try and I'm I'm very very excited because I've, I would say I never play the same army list twice um, there's never anything that I absolutely have to bring in fact there are games where in 9th and 8th I played without Hiveguard um, I have I have what? had 
<laughs> I have had lists. I had several lists actually where I played with no gene stealers. Um, you know, there's there's things that almost always make it in, but I I like to mix it up. I like I never like playing the exact same list twice. And if I was a tournament mm-hmm. player, that would probably change. But um, you know, certainly for playing with friends, I, I like to try lots of different things, and I'm excited now to say. So there, I, I I can tell you now, I'll definitely at some point say, yeah, I'm going to try it. Today I'm playing Yormaganda. Let's give yeah. that a go. Um, and enjoy enjoy some of those some of those benefits because yeah. yeah, they sound they sound like a fun all rounder, and I think you could pull off you pull off some fun some fun tricks with them. So okay. I like the sound of that. So, if I may, please, if I could talk about Gorgon, and then <laughs> what I would like to do after that, and you can have a little think. What, from what you know about Aldari and all the new codexes, mm-hmm. what would you really like to see, rules-wise, Leviathan get? What would you like as like a wish list, if it's similar to other armies that have been there, just so I can know and look at the rules and snigger to myself? But I'll talk about Gorgon first. Um, adaptive toxins. Each time an attack is made by a model with this adaptation against a unit, not including vehicles or titanic models, an unmodified and unmodified wound roll of a four plus is always successful. So all those devourer gaunts you just talked about so are wounding on a four plus. Right. So it's it's classic poisoning rules then. Yes, absolutely. That is what it is. All right. I love that. So you now have the Dark Eldar standard weapons. Um, <laughs> adaptive part is each time a unit with this adaptation is selected to shoot or fight, you can re-roll one wound roll when resolving that unit's attacks. Yeah, that's not bad. I like it. Ulf, we have it. And now Gorgon has it. Warlord trait, lethal miasma. At the start of the fight phase, roll 1d6 for each enemy unit within 3 inches of this warlord. On a 2 to 5, that enemy unit suffers a mortal wound. On a 6, d3. It just happens. So, you can come at me or I come at you. You're going to lose a mortal wound at the start of any um, fight phase. Very death guardy, isn't it? Um... Yeah, it's 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 a smelly, it's a smelly boy. <laughs> it's because I mean, toxic miasma's kind of been around for a while in various different guises, but it's, again, it's not something, it's not something I've willfully made use of for about six years now. So it's, yeah, it'd be nice nice to see that. That sounds good. I like that. Yeah. Sorry, there's a pack of crazy dogs out there. <laughs> so ignoring those barks. Uh, poisonous influence is the psychic power. Um, it has a warp charge value of 7. If manifested, select one friendly <laughs> Gorgon. I, I don't know how clear that's coming out to you. It's, uh, it's fine. I can hear it, but it's good. I can hear you Okay. Better. If manifested, select one friendly Gorgon unit within synaptic link range of this Psyker until the start of your next psychic phase. Each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack, an unmodified wound roll of a 6 inflicts a mortal wound on the target, in addition to normal damage. So, warp charge value of 7, you select a unit. It just says a friendly unit, so anything you want. And then wound rolls of 6s. 
inflict one mortal wound on that target. Now this is until your next psychic phase. So this lasts um, through both fight phases, yours and your opponent's then. So in theory, if you, if you, you get the timing was, right. Did you say that was melee? Or a melee attack. Okay. And okay, in addition to any normal sure. damage, to a maximum of six mortal wounds. So they're expecting you to put this on, well, anything really. Big bugs or little griblies doing lots of attacks. But the maximum you can get is six mortal wounds. And now six mortal wounds is nothing to... Uh, uh, be bad about is it? It's, 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 it's a respectable amount. It's, it's an interesting cap. I, I can see why they do it because <clears throat> otherwise you can you can end up just having a ridiculous situation where you've just you know you've just toppled a Titanic unit because you got a bit lucky with your sixes, or you just you know um, you know mm -hmm. you've just you've just wiped some super elite five hundred point unit with some lucky rolls. So I can see why they do cap at a six, but a six, six is a goodly amount, and you know it kind of it kind of shows you where where should I be using this? Well, I should be using it again, probably against the more elite end of things. Uh, you know, mm. it's all right to take out six extra guardsmen or six extra tau, but I probably don't need it for them. Um, but maybe no. more if I'm I'm up against something that's just a bit tougher to wound. Just take those extra morsels <laughs> off. No, exactly. Um, and then. Um, the bio artifact, which is going to go on your big bad guy, add one to the toughness characteristic of the bearer. And if the bearer characteristic can change as they suffer damage, they are considered to have double the number of wounds remaining for the purposes of determining what their characteristics are. Okay, that's good. That's kind of like the old adaptive physiology. Mm -hmm. Okay, no, I like that. I like that. And I mean. I mean, some stuff's maybe getting. I don't. I don't know. I don't know a lot of the stat lines yet. But at least we used to have some toughness eight monsters, which would theoretically then put them onto toughness nine. Um, mm -hmm. If you if if they're characters, so that's just helps that a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know if that's possible, but <clears> I'd <throat> like to see it. Um, um, that'd be good. Their one command point stratagem: hypertoxicity. Because again, this army is just. Poison and smelly. Use this stratagem in the fight phase. So again, a lot of these things are get close to your opponent and hurt them. Uh, when a gorgon toxin sacks, when a gorgon toxin sacks unit from your army is selected to fight, until the end of that phase, each time toxins a toxin sacks model in that unit makes a melee attack, an unmodified hit roll of a five plus automatically wounds the target. Five plus, okay. So a yeah. unmodified hit roll of a five plus automatically wounds the target. So yeah, it's got a bit of a bit of a buff in that one. But um so Gorg yeah, all of these high fleets you've got bits in them you're gonna like the flavour of and you are going to be playing other armies. Um you I'm predominantly yourself, um, you have a lot more variety in players, I feel, than I do in, <laughs> in my area. So, um, But in terms of your favourite, and I keep banging on about Leviathan, um, what rule would you find to be good or you would like 
if they were just to randomly add that rule into Leviathan? God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of things that haven't already been used by the other high fleets. Um, I mean, just... building on what they had before, they had... So before they had synapse and anything within six inches of synapse had like a six up, feel no pain. Um, and that's not bad. Um, I mean, what 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 have other armies got that would be nice? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't. The thing is, I don't. I, I don't feel like I know the other armies well enough. I guess any anything to do with involves would be amazing. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm drawn a blank. I've been trying to think about it since you said it. Um, okay. I don't, there I are. Don't, I don't think I can second guess it. I'm I'm very excited. I I know I know I know it's gonna be good. There. Yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm. There are things that I'm looking at that will definitely give you some survivability. Okay. Whilst being able to dish things out, <laughs> whether that's your high fleet tendril units or your warlord. Interesting. Um, I mean, the the thing about Leviathan is like, again, until that supplement came out, you know, the eighth edition Leviathan rules were passable. Most people wouldn't run them, and I only ran them a couple of times because I was like, well, that's what my models are painted as, so I I guess I want to have the Leviathan rules. Um, their strat was ridiculous. It was like, if you're within range of a flying unit and a non-flying unit, re-roll re one single wound roll or something like that. It was it was both incredibly specific and not all that helpful. Um, but, you know, again, lore-wise, Behemoth is like of the past. <laughs> so we know they're probably still out there, but the hive tendril that made it into the known part of the galaxy was defeated at Ultramar. Um, Leviathan, meanwhile, uh, is is the kind of most known active tendril, and it's been, you know, it's been messing with the Blood Angels on Baal for a while. And I don't know what happened in Octarius, but I know they were involved there. I haven't actually read the lore of that book yet. Um, but they are like our main characters, almost like so. Again, it would make sense to see. Well, then they should be our main army. They should be like the, yeah, like like the Ultramarines are to Space Marines. Like they should be our main, you know, our main battle force. So it kind of makes sense that their rules are, are perhaps the best. Um, but um, no, I I honestly can't think. You know, I'm almost scared to say I want this and have you go. Well, Jesus, we're not gonna get that. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but see, no, I'm excited. I am excited. See, this is the thing with the with the Eldari one. I when I was watching lots of YouTube videos and content creators, I would put a lot of comments out there because I was really scratching my head about which one of the craft worlds is the strongest. You've got one craft world where it helps the aspect warriors, but you can reroll hits, which I think is fantastic. Then you've got another one, Ulfway, which are the now becoming the, 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 the big old the strongest um in certain ways. You can improve psychic powers, you can improve the strand of fate rolls, you can and re-roll wounds. And then you've got little ones like Iandan, where they're a little bit stronger, um, where they can 
um, minus 1 becomes AP dash and minus 2 becomes AP 1 um, which nullifies a lot of the buffs a lot of armies with their shooting gods and I'm looking at them and I'm like I kind of like Eandon like I'm not going for the big two po poster boys but with the Tyranids Leviathan is looking like if you want competitiveness this is the bad boy and you are going to enjoy Leviathan and I cannot wait to sit down here and talk with you and we'll say no it'll be 45 minutes no longer four hours later you will still be <laughs> frothing at the mouth for Leviathan <laughs> that is that is a promise I'm, I'm, I'm very excited I'm very excited um, I sort Good. of hoped I don't know if you remember I think I think when ninth was coming out somebody leaked a pdf of the overall rulebook and because of that i feel like um because again i was following all the community things i was watching on twitch as they were doing like you know we're going to talk about one rule a week or whatever because um, during lockdown i didn't have anything better to do with my time and i swear someone leaked the pdf and so they just moved everything up and it got released like a few weeks earlier than they were planning to release it um that's my memory i sort of thought given what's happened with the, the tyranids pdf that they might kind of go well as someone's leaked it that's going to kind of piss in our cornflakes and ruin our sort of steady build-up we've got planned so let's just release the book early but i don't it doesn't seem like they're doing that i haven't heard any acknowledgement from their camp that it's even happened um so but it's, it's weird. I know actually know people that have already played a game with the new codex. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, same. Which, which, not to be an asshole, but if I was, if it was, if the shoe was on the other foot, if someone was like, oh, I've got the brand new Chaos Space Marines codex, uh, it's been leaked, can I use it? I'd say, absolutely not. It's not officially been released. And I don't even know that your leak is legit. It could just be some guy who's very, very good at Photoshop with a lot of time on his hands. So no chance. Um, so... But fair—I mean, fair enough. Fair enough for those that are out there doing it. But it's, um, yeah. No, I just—I need to—I need to wait. As as we've had no announcements this week, I can only assume that we need. It'll be at least two or three more weeks before it's released. Yeah, but excited. Excited. More, Very more excited. Than, more than a little excited, shall we say? <laughs> yeah. All right then. Well, I think we should cap it off there then. Yeah. Um, so I will just say, please uh, come and follow us on Twitter at Talking Tyranids. Um, we've 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 had some engagement on there, which has been lovely. Um, so the the more the merrier. Uh, still haven't made the Facebook group. Still haven't made the Instagram. So you just have to wait. Um, Easter holidays are coming up. I'll probably do it over Easter. Um, and if you want to email us, it's talkingtyranids at gmail dot com. So. Um, Please if do if you've got any questions or if you've got any questions for us or anything you'd like us to discuss regarding the upcoming release or anything along those lines, please send them over our way um, because we'd we'd love to do that and uh, uh, you know otherwise keep keep joining us every time we release an episode um, and if you get a chance maybe maybe rate us us uh, rate rate us on iTunes or gives 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 like gives a little five little cheeky five star. Don't rate us if you're not going to give us a five star. I don't want to hear it. Like if no. you've got, if you've got, if you've got criticisms. I don't, don't care. Just don't, don't listen. Don't have an opinion. 
exactly exactly that um <laughs> but yes otherwise we will see you next time goodbye <laughs>